Deuteronomy chapter 29. Deuteronomy chapter 29. We have two sections here, which have, which has the same scriptures. One is Deuteronomy 29.5 and Deuteronomy 8 also. But the Spirit of God wants me to stick to Deuteronomy 29. So I'm going to stick with Deuteronomy 29. I'm going to go with the scripture where the Lord wants me to, but we're going to begin with verse 1. Please pray this prayer after me. Lord, open my eyes to see your truth. Lord, open my ears to hear your truth. Lord, open my mind to receive your truth. Lord, open my heart to keep your truth. Let me be a doer of your word and not a hearer only. Let me bring forth much fruit to the praise and glory of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Speak, Lord. I will listen and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go. Deuteronomy chapter 29, and I will... Read from verse 1. These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded to Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab besides the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. Read it again. These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab besides the covenant which he has made with them in Horeb. Now you look at just this verse 1, you see that God is making a covenant with his people when he's giving his words and giving it through Moses to give it to the people of Israel. Now, when you understand this, that there's not Moses standing there and giving his own laws. There's not Moses standing there and giving his own commandments. This is God speaking through Moses, telling him what he needed to speak to the people of Israel, his people. So as we look at verse which is going to go to verse 2 with this in mind that this is God speaking through Moses, giving his word through Moses to his people. So Moses is doing this, what God is telling him to do. I want you to picture this in front of you. Picture as if you are living in the time when Moses lived. Picture that you are among those people. Put yourself there as we read this. Imagine that Moses is calling you and your family and you were one among those people who are there, who are going to be called when God is going to speak to you through Moses, the prophet. Now Moses called all Israel and said to them, you have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. The great trials which your eyes have seen, the signs and those great wonders. Yet the Lord has not given you a heart 
to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear to this very day. And I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you and your sandals have not worn out on your feet. You have not eaten bread nor have drunk wine nor similar drink that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And when you came to this place, Sihan, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, came out against us to battle, and we conquered them. We took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites, to the Gadites, and to the half, and to half the tribe of Manasseh. Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all you do. I'm going to stop right here as the Holy Spirit wants me to. I'm going to go to verse 2 and we're going to read again and we're going to go verse by verse as the Spirit of the Lord wants me to. So that's what we're going to do here. Verse 2, now Moses called all Israel and said to them, so all of Israel were brought before Moses. I'm just checking to see if someone was unmuted. I just heard static. Now Moses called all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. The great trials which you have, which your eyes have seen, the signs and great wonders. What is God saying here? Through Moses, God is gathering the entire nation of Israel and he's telling them this. Look. You saw everything that God did. You know what you went through. You know how you cried out to the Lord. You know the suffering that you were under. You know the bondage that you were in. You know how you called out to God. You know how desperate you were. You know all of these things. And you also saw how God came through. You also saw how God came and brought you out from Egypt. With a strong arm, with a mighty arm, with an outstretched arm, he came. How God delivered you. Deliverance doesn't come easily. It's a battle between heaven and hell. And God moves on our behalf to bring deliverance to us. That's what God did. God sent Moses. And through Moses, God brought the people of Israel out. But did it happen like that? No. As I said before, through the Spirit of God, that there were ten plagues that were necessary, and God, in a sovereign will, led the people through those ten plagues, the Egyptians and the Israelites, instead of just knocking Pharaoh out of his seat, or even making him to somehow let the people go. God in his sovereign will, let Pharaoh do whatever he wanted to do so that God could strengthen the faith of the people of God. You saw what God did. The trials that you are going through and the things that you're facing, God allows you that he can strengthen your faith. God has brought you this far and it's important for you as God's people to stand where you are and turn back and see all that God has done for you in your life, all the miracles that God did, how God delivered you from the hands of the enemy. 
what God did before your eyes in the land of Egypt. What God did to the enemy when the enemy came after you, how God restrained the enemy, how God shut down the enemy, how God struck down the enemy into all those who served that enemy. What did God do into all his land? The great trials which your eyes have seen, your eyes have seen. You are a witness, the power of God. You are the witness to the power of God. Not just a witness, the witness. Because it happened to you and you are the main witness there. Others saw, but you know what? You know everything because you went through it. Yes, the Egyptians saw, but you know what? More than the Egyptians seeing, the people of God saw more than, the, you know why? They were the ones who cried out to God, God deliver us, God deliver us, God deliver us, oh God deliver us. They were the ones who cried out to God. They were the ones who were beaten, who were struck, who were humiliated. And from being oppressed to becoming free people is the hand of God. Is the hand of God. Your eyes have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes. You have seen everything. Your own eyes have seen what God has done before your very own eyes. What he did for you. What he did to the enemies. All the things that the Lord has done in order to bring you out of Egypt. So, you have this period of bondage. Then you have this spirit where God brings you out of that bondage with a strong arm, with his outstretched arm. Then after he brings you out of the bondage and how he leads you through the wilderness to the promised land. There's a process that will take place in every believer's life. You can never come out of bondage and go straight to the promised land. Doesn't work that way. Always must go to the wilderness. Wilderness area is your training ground. Before you're in bondage, all you can do is only see. The children of Israel had no part except for putting the blood of the lamb and eating those bitter herbs and then going and borrowing, you know, whatever, um, God said, go get whatever you need to get from the Egyptians before you leave. But other than that, they really didn't do much. It was Moses who did the crying, talking to Pharaoh, going with Aaron, and then coming back and striking the Nile River, and then going back, talking to Pharaoh, crying out to God, and the ten plagues were taking place. What was God doing to the children of Israel during that time? He was showing his faithfulness and showing how much he was for them. God is speaking to our hearts in this hour. God was showing his people how much he was for them. Whatever you might have been going through and whatever you might have gone through, God, in your captivity, during the process of delivering you, he stood there to show you how much he cares for you. How much he loves you. How much he hears you and he's heard you. 
God stands there to show you that he is watching over everything. Not only that, he's acting on your behalf. God moved Moses because God loved you. God moved Moses because he loved the people of Israel. So this is the message God is telling to the people of Israel. You saw what I did. And how did God do? You don't see God come and say, I am God and I'm speaking from the sky. And there the thunder and lightning. Make sure children of Israel see you watch my, you know, terror and what I'm going to do. to No. Every time it was Moses coming and speaking. Moses would go and talk to the children of Israel. He'll go talk to Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh will harden his heart. The children of Israel will try to go against Moses. And then Moses will go to God. And then God will speak again. And you have this whole cycle just going again and again and again. Where like plague after plague after plague after plague after plague. God did. Why did he do that? Because God wanted to show the people of Israel. To what extent he was for them. God wanted to show you to what extent he's for you. It's because God was for you. It's because God had pity on you. It is because God was gracious to you. God said, I'm going to fight for you. It should bring a lot of encouragement to every single one here. It is because of the mercies of God, the Bible says we're not consumed. You know who would have consumed? The enemy would have consumed us. What else would have consumed us? The wrath of God would have consumed us because we were eligible for his wrath. But God, out of his mercy, he said, I'll save you from the wrath of your enemies. And I will protect you from my wrath. I'm for you. And I'm standing there to tell you that I am for you. I was for you. So during the period of bondage, they cried out to God. See, that crying out is necessary. If the crying out was absent, then they would have gone to the grave, just like those who were in Sodom and Gomorrah. Very important. Their cries turned into groaning. When that happened, God spoke to Moses and said, Moses, go. Go. You left the palace to suffer for my people. Now I'm sending you from Midian to go back to Egypt to suffer my people so that they can be delivered. So now God is telling Moses to bring them all together to rehearse all that had taken place. It's important to rehearse all that God has done for us. It's very important. Moses called all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt. All the things that God did. All the things. To Pharaoh and all his servants and to all the land. In front of your eyes, God did. He did all those things to all those people. Why? Because he was for you. God was for you. This is how God, he put down the enemy. He crushed the head of the serpent. He crushed the head of Leviathan. He crushed the head of demonic spirits. And God brought you out. Each one of you had different kinds of things that kept you in bondage. 
And the Spirit of God came and he crushed the head of the serpents and he brought you out. When that was happening, all you were able to do was cry out and then watch what God was doing. Just be someone in awe of the Lord and see what he was doing. That's what the children of Israel were doing. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't go and strike the Nile River. They couldn't just go and bring frogs and grasshoppers and, you know, locusts and, and flies and lies and all those stuff. They were in wonder. We cried out to God and look what God is doing. All these supernatural things that we never saw before. Darkness on that side and light on this side and all these things are happening. God did all those things in front of the eyes of the people of Israel. Why? So that they will remember these things. When Pharaoh would chase after them, they would remember these things. When his army would come after them, they would remember these things. When they see the Red Sea in front of them, they would remember these things. God did all these things so that his people would remember these things. Now, Moses, through the Spirit of God, is rehearsing these things before the children of Israel so that they can remember again. The great trials which your eyes have seen, the signs and those great wonders. Yet the Lord has not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear to this very day. Now, this doesn't mean that God is at fault. We've seen this in the uh, New Testament where Jesus tells his disciples, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit is saying. In the, in the book of Revelation, we hear that. And after he says a parable, he'll say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And also we read, in God's word, God says, having eyes, they may not see. Ears, they may not hear. Does it mean that God himself blocked everything? No. It talks about the choice of the people. To what extent people choose. Whatever they're choosing. The choices that they make. We must not forget that. It's easy to just put the blame on God or put the blame on the devil and take the responsibility off of ourselves. God is not putting the responsibility upon himself or Moses is not putting the responsibility upon God. This is what God is saying. Let me say this. Verse 4 is very important and I pray that the Spirit of God will give an understanding heart to understand what the Spirit of God is saying at this hour. Verse 4. The Lord has not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear. And to this very day, this is how you guys are. Why is he saying that? Why is the Spirit of God speaking through Moses this verse to the people of Israel? Understand this. God gives grace to the humble. Those who are humble will receive faith from God in order to inherit the promised land. Those who are humble will receive instruction. Those who are humble will fear God. Those who fear God will do his will. Those who fear God will not have Egypt in their hearts. 
those who fear God will not be stiff-necked people. So fundamentally, there's a problem here. See, only those who use whatever God has given to them, more will be given. If you don't use what God has given to you, what you have will be taken away from you. Remember the parable that Jesus spoke. The guy that was given one talent took that talent and didn't do anything about it. When the master came, he said, well, I know that you're such a uh, unfair person. You will come and ask from a place, you know, where you really can't get anything out of. And so I just buried everything that you gave, which is the one thing that you gave. I buried this. And so the one talent that was given by the master was buried and He says, I buried it. Now I brought it back to you and I am giving this to you. And what did the master say? The master said, you wicked and lazy servant. You claim to say these things as if I am not fair. So you say so. So according to what you say, you should have known better if that is the case. He's not saying that that's how he was. No. According to your words, as the Lord says, our own words will condemn us. So when he thought that he was smart and he could play smart, God said, okay, let's keep the statement the way it is, the way you said. So if you know that I'm like this, like how you presented me to be, then you should have done something about it. How come you didn't do anything about it? And then he was judged by that and he was put away. God is speaking to the hearts of the sorrow. He's not someone who's going to ask for something from a place where it cannot produce. He's not someone who will ask someone to give from something that he is not given. So when he gives into our hands, he will expect from our hands an increase or multiplication. So if if he gives us faith, and if he gives us his word, he will expect us to utilize that faith and multiply the word that God has given to us. That means put that to use. When you put it to use, there's going to be growth. When you put it to use, you're going to multiply. When you put it to use, you're going to bear fruit. God says over here, God was not able to do that to these people. It's not that God was unfair and he says, okay, I'm not going to let you understand. No, he was not able to give them any more. Because they were unfaithful to the basic stuff he gave. With all the miracles that he did, you saw everything. After seeing everything, you still complained. You didn't ask, you complained. You still murmured, you didn't ask, because there's no faith. After seeing all these things, after getting all those beatings, after seeing all those miracles and deliverances and and healings and bringing you out, you still turned and you looked at Egypt. And God says, because of that, I'm not able to give you anything more. Jesus said this in this parable. The sower and the seed. He, he said this parable to the people there. And they all heard it. Nobody asked, so how does this apply to us? and how does it relate to what they all heard as if Jesus said a good story and they listened to the story and after that they all went home. Nice. They graded Jesus. Jesus did an awesome job. 
Jesus healed a lot of people. We came for healing and we got it in. He said some stories. We heard it. And how is that going to connect with my life? I don't care. I got what I wanted. I'm going home. So what about what he said? The disciples who were with him, they asked, so what is the meaning of this Lord? And Jesus said this, this has been given to you, not to them. Why? Why? Because these people did something about what was given into their hands. The rest did not. So if God has to open your eyes to greater things of God, to the greater things of God, then you have to utilize what he has given into your hands now. God is speaking to her today. Whatever God has put inside of you or whatever God brings before you, like today, you need to do something about it. That means you need to take that, you need to put it to use, you need to put it to good use. That means that two should become four, that five should become ten. When you do that, then God will give you a heart to receive or perceive more other things of God, greater revelation. When you do that, he'll give you eyes to see more, more into, you know, with our eyes, we can see the computer. With our eyes, we can see what is in front of us. But with our eyes, can you see what is really inside the stars? And can you see what is inside the moon? And can you see what is in the galaxy? No, but you have special equipment for that. When you use those equipment, big, you know, telescope and whatever gadgets they have to look into the space, then you'll be able to see. And those especially trained to go to the outer space to walk on the planet outside of Earth, they get to walk on those surfaces. You get to choose. To what extent you grow. You get to choose to what extent you can be used of God. You get to choose to what extent you're going to see. Whether you'll be able to handle that telescope or not, God will know and God will see based on what you're doing with what has been given to you now. If you use your eyes properly and if you use whatever God has given, if he gives you a little uh, magnifying glass to use it and you put that to use and he gives you a little binoculars and and you put that to use and then he gives you a little telescope to look and you're able to use that then he will really give you bigger equipment so that you can see further the question here is what are you doing with what god is giving you day after day after day are you being a forgetful here or are you being a doer of the word? Are you like the children of Israel here who saw tremendous things that God did in Egypt when you were in bondage? You have a big testimony, many testimonies, many things God has done because God is for you and he was for you. Having seen all of that, what are you doing with what God has given to you? Do you want to see further? Do you want to have eyes that will see? That means see more. See, we all have eyes that can see to an extent. Glasses, no glasses, contacts, no contacts, no matter. You're able to see with some kind of device and some kind of assistance or for some, you don't need that. But beyond that, seeing beyond that, for God to add more into your seeing beyond this natural 
pair of eyes that God has given. Do you want more? Or are you content with, I have the magnifying glass. Are you content with that? Or I have the telescope. Are you content with that? Or do you say, I have the binoculars. That's enough. There are people who say, why? Why bother with the big telescope that sees further in? I'm not interested. So, you don't get to see what's beyond. God is speaking to her today. God is ready to give you the tools that you need. God is ready to give you everything that you need. Oh, have I been? You know, have you, you know, you, you might have seen, um, the trucks, right? At the back of the truck, you'll see this sentence. How is my driving? There's a number underneath that. We need to go to the Spirit of God and we need to ask Him this question. How have I been, Lord? How have I been, Lord? We need to ask that. We need to shut down everything and sit in the presence of God. Even though I could have just laid down, my body was ready to crash. Have Him assist my progress. He needs to do that. God has to do that. We can't just give ourselves, hey, A+. plus. That's the worst thing we can do. If we give ourselves an A plus, be like a little kid who just put a, you know, star and a sticker and all over. You give them a bunch of stickers, they'll put all over their paper. But when the paper goes to the teacher, the teacher will say, oh, well, you drew a smiley face, but the eyes are outside the circle. You drew a smiley face, but the mouth is outside the circle. This is how you draw. And the teacher will draw and have them draw three, four times in preschool. And then when they get it, then they put a star there. Then they say, good job there. Many times we're like little kids. Say, Lord, I'll give a sticker here, I'll give a sticker there, I'll give a sticker here, I'll give a sticker there, I'll give a sticker here, I'll give a sticker there. We need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, how do you rate me? How is my walk with you? How is my prayer life before you? How have I been serving you? It's important for every single person to go before God and ask Him, Lord, how have I been? How am I doing? Because we need to keep growing. We need to be keep going forward. We need to keep going forward. We need to be moving. We cannot be at a standstill. We cannot be at a standstill. See, if we become five years old and we still have a vocabulary that contains 10 words, something is wrong. We can be 10 years old. And if we just have three, four sentences, something is wrong. We can't say, oh, I'm still talking. Oh, I'm saying five, six sentences. I'm still talking. Oh, no. No. There has to be a growth. There has to be multiplication. Look at the children of Israel. You see them. That God had given so much to them. God gave them everything. God showed them many things, many proofs that he is God, that you can depend on him, that you can trust him. They also got a lot of beatings over there from the Egyptians. They should run out of Egypt. How can you forget that? 
How can you forget where you were and how it was that your heart goes back to Egypt and say, well, can I go back to Egypt? Oh, there are onions there. There are leeks there. There are garlic there. Oh, I need to go there. And how is it that suddenly manna becomes distasteful? Something is wrong with the picture. At that point, you know that there's some form of demonic delusion that is there. So it's important for every believer to understand. As long as you're faithful to God, like Moses was, as long as you're faithful to God, like Joshua was, as long as you keep doing, keep doing what God is telling you to do because you trust in him. Because you know who he is. Because of what he did for you. That he stood by you to show you that he is for you. That he brought you out of the land of Egypt. That he has promised to be with you. All the way to Canaan. And in Canaan, he said, I will be your God. How can we murmur? How can we complain? How can we say Egypt was better? How can we? It's like asking for the cemetery to be my bedroom. God is speaking to our hearts today. At that point, you know, some devil has gotten inside of such person. If you ask for cemetery to become your bedroom and say, well, cemetery was good there. At least I had a tombstone over there to lay down. Something is wrong with that picture. God is speaking into your hearts at this hour. Who will be in the cemetery? People who have evil spirits. The man who had legions was in the cemetery. Demonic spirits are in the cemetery. Suddenly, if cemetery looks attractive, something is wrong with that picture. If the past looks attractive, if the place that you should have been dead. Place of bondage and slavery becomes attractive. Something is wrong with that picture. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. But to those who obey God, to those who listen to him, to those who look to him, God says he will give them an understanding heart. To those who use what God has given God says, I'll give you a better technology. I'll give you a better technology. I'll give you a better technology. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. The Lord has not given you a heart to receive, or perceive, and eyes to see and ears to hear to this very day. Why? Why? Will you give your two-year-old a very pretty delicate, some glass artifact, will you give him? No. Why not? Because you don't love him? No. Because you know, in seconds, that'll be on the ground to pieces. We can have big desires. We can say, oh God, I want this, I want to win the world for you, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want this, and I want that. We have big desires and all these things, but... If the spiritual growth is not there, if you don't grow to become what God has called you to be, 
then you won't be able to handle what God wants to give to you. At that point, he won't give to you. Not because he doesn't love you, but because what he has is too costly. What he has is too precious. Revelation comes from God. Seeing into the supernatural is too precious. Revelation comes from God. To receive manna from heaven is too costly. It is important for us to understand that based on our handling of God's word, based on our reverence for the presence of God, based on our obedience to God's word, will God cause us to inherit greater things. That's when we are going to be able to see more. That's when we are going to be able to hear more. That's when we'll have the eyes to see and ears to hear. So these people here, now among these people, you'd have had Joshua, you'd have had Caleb, and you'd have had people who believed God. So when you see a scripture like this, doesn't mean that it applies to everyone. It usually talks to the majority of the people. You know, I was a, a teacher for quite some time. When you come to the classroom and you see students not behaving, you'll have like a few who behaved. But the teacher will begin to talk to the entire classroom. The teacher will give instruction to the whole classroom. You say, you students, you did not do your homework or you didn't do what you should have done or you're not going to go for recess or whatever it is. What's going to happen at that point? All of them are going to sit there for some time. Everybody is going to listen to whatever the teacher had to tell. Because the majority of them were not listening. Majority of them, you know, did what was wrong. The ones who did good will also be among that group. That doesn't mean that the entire group of students failed. No. There were people who are faithful here. But the majority of them. So there were people who were given hard to understand, perceive, and eyes to see and ears to hear. And this is talking about the majority of the people. That's why scriptures like when God says there's no one righteous, no, not one, people take that and say that there's no one that's not true. If that's the case, then the Bible will have to cross out Job, cross out Elizabeth, cross out Zacharias, cross out Daniel, cross out Job, Joseph, cross out many, many, many righteous people who God himself said that they lived an upright life and God certified with 100% grade. Is God lying there? No. So when David says it, is he saying, you know, made a mistake and that's in the Bible? No. We have to understand, oh, we have to look at it through the Spirit of God. And the context is very important. Inspired by the Spirit of God, David wrote. And it's addressing a particular group of people as a whole. Same thing with Prophet Isaiah. When he comes and says something, he's talking to Entire group of people, but you have remnant there. We have to remember that. So when God talks about this, he's not saying that there's not a single person you know, who is understanding that God just kept, no, kept it away, no. But he's talking about the rebellious, the disobedient. Majority of them were, the entire generation did not inherit. So let's go to verse five. But before that, have this established in your heart. We can still go forward. We can still follow 
the commandments of God and receive eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to understand and hearts to obey and all those things that we pray every time. If we not only simply pray, but do it. We should not play games, but we should really have the commitment to God Almighty. Then God will bless us with greater insight, with greater listening capacity. That means when God speaks, you not only will hear the voice of the Lord, but you'll hear the tone. Not only will you hear the tone, you'll hear the emotions. See, there are varying degrees of hearing God, even when the word of God comes like this. It's very important for us to know that when we yield ourselves to God Almighty, He opens our senses to the realm of God. At the time, you can understand everything. You know, when you, when your kids are trained and they're attentive, if they're not behaving, or if they're not doing what they're supposed to do. When you just walk inside and you don't have to yell, you don't have to say anything, you don't have to look at them like this, you don't do anything. When you just look, give it a look. When I say look, it's not a mean, nasty look. It's just a look and you just walk. That's all is important. That child that knows my mom or my dad is not happy with what I'm doing now, right? They should be studying and they're drawing. And mom just comes and just looks at what they're doing and mom just walks away. You know, an understanding child, what the child will do, close that drawing and run and say, mommy's sorry, I'm going to get my book. My mom wouldn't have even said anything. This is the child that is in tune. Now, it's a better way where you don't even mess with that. You do what you're supposed to do. Where mom comes and she smiles and she says, good job, and gives a hug and a kiss and walks away. We want to be in that category. But the next category is, you know the heart of God. He doesn't even have to say anything. Just his presence is enough. But many people... And not awakened to the realm of God. In a sense that it's almost like being dead on the inside. God has to come and they hammer it and say, spell it out fully. You have not done this and you didn't do your work and I told you this and all those things. And after that, it's like, hmm, God is mad at me. Forget about the fact that you didn't do it. See how the twist comes? Now God is mad at me. God is mad at me. God is mad at me. That's a demonic twist. Do what you're supposed to do. Don't get to a place where God will come and spell everything out and say, you should have done this because you do this and this is what's happening. And this. We don't need that. Let's bring pleasure to God. Let's become a delight to God. Be everything God wants you to be and become everything God wants you to become. Then you'll have 
the eyes to see further. You'll have ears to hear further into the realm of God. That your spirit will be awakened to the realm of God because he will quicken you. Because he'll want you to understand his heart. And I've led you 40 years in the wilderness. I'm going to wrap it up in a few minutes if the spirit of the Lord wants me to. We're just going to from here. Your clothes have not worn out on you and your sandals have not worn out on your feet. How did he lead you? 40 years. Why should he lead a rebellious nation for 40 years? Because even the 40 years is out of the disobedience. And God said, 40 days you should have reached there now because of your unbelief for every day. I'm going to have you get delayed and you're going to go for 40 years. You're going to wonder. So this is the punishment. Why should God lead them for 40 years? Because they're rebellious people and they've been punished. Why? Again, it's the love of God. Whom God loves, he chastens. And his hope is, with this chastening, my children will make it to the promised land. But the sad part is they did not. The caution here that the Spirit of God is bringing to us this night is, don't be that way. Chastening is good. It's not necessary. But if it has to come to that, it's a good thing because it shows that God loves you. And when that happens, make sure you turn towards God and not go away from him. Turn towards God, fix what you need to fix, shape up and go. Go in God's way. Go in God's way. And God will bless you. 40 years God led. Who? These stiff-necked and rebellious people. What was he doing? You see miracles for them. Still miracles. What do you do? The clothes have not worn out on you. Sandals have not worn out on your feet. God did miracle after miracle after miracle. Somebody had to tell them that. Hey, look at your clothes. Look at your sandals. Look what God has done for them. They're busy thinking about Egypt. That's why, even with the clothes that were not worn out, even with the sandals that were not worn out, their bodies fell in the wilderness. Think about that, how miserable that is, how sad that is. God was able to keep their sandals and their clothing. Was he not able to keep their bodies, their souls? They did not make it to the promised land. Why? The God who kept their sandals and their clothing had his hands tied because of the unbelief of the people of Israel. Many of them, majority of them. They chose to rebel against the Lord God Almighty. They chose to look to Egypt. They chose to murmur and complain. They chose to not follow God. When God was going before them, they were looking behind they did exactly like Lot's wife. And as a result of that, what happened? What happened to Lot's wife happened to them. At the very place where they were. Because of their constant looking back. They were not able to go forward. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. If you want to go forward, stop looking back. If you want to go forward, stop looking back. If you want to go forward, stop. Looking back. You need to keep your eyes ahead. You have to keep your focus. 
on Jesus Christ. Not look back. The Lord God who keeps your clothing. The Lord God who keeps your sandals will also keep your body. Will also keep your mind. Will also keep your soul. For he is the keeper of your soul. He who watches over Israel. He never slumbers nor sleeps. He who watches over Israel. He never slumbers nor sleeps. Do you know what? You need to keep your eyes on him. After seeing the miracles God has done with the clothing. After seeing the miracles God has done for the sandals. After seeing the miracles God has done with the food. After seeing the miracles God has done with the water. After seeing the miracles God has done with the quail, meat. Whatever they wanted, God gave it. But they didn't get it. By asking. They got it by murmuring and complaining. In spite of so many miracles God did in Israel. In spite of so many miracles God did in the wilderness. In spite of so many miracles God did in Egypt. God who had so much hopes. For all these people. God who had so much hope. For each and every one of these. Hebrew slave that came out. As a free person. Because of God. God had a plan for all of them. God when he spoke to them. Through Moses. Canaan was for all of them. Canaan was for all of them. Every step of the way, the Bible says he carried them as a father would carry a son on his shoulder. Canaan was for every single one. Many people's bodies are in the wilderness. Never meant for them to end that way. Imagine how God would have grieved and he would have cried over, lamented over these people because his dream for them was Canaan. These people did not inherit the dream. He wanted to give them the best. But they didn't want it. Because their heart was in Egypt. Anytime your heart goes back to slavery. Anytime your heart goes to the graveyard. And wants to have the graveyard as your bedroom. Remember. You're looking for death and not life. You're seeking, you become a, an active seeker of death and not life. Whatever fragrance, the smell that comes from Egypt, remember, is a smell of death. The people who looked back, looked for Egypt, longed for Egypt in their heart. What was in Egypt? Slavery. All of them died in the wilderness. Because you can't take Egypt into Canaan, you see. You can't. The clothing didn't wear out. The sandals didn't wear out. But their bodies fell in the wilderness. And these people here, they're alive. And Moses is talking to them. 
while they're alive. He's saying, listen, this what happened in Egypt. Listen, this what happened in the wilderness. Listen, this is what is happening now. Listen, this is what God wants for me. Have you here? Are you going to listen to this? So that you can have ears to hear? Are you going to listen to this? So that you can have understanding minds? Are you going to listen to this? Are you going to listen to what God is speaking today? That's what Moses is saying here. You're going to listen to this? Are you going to listen to this? You have not eaten bread. Or have you drunk wine or similar drink that you may know that I am the Lord your God? And when you came to this place, Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, came out against us to battle, and we conquered them. How? How? Because God went before them. Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all you do. This is what God is telling us today as a church. If you want to have eyes to see, ears to hear, and minds to understand the realm of God, the deeper things of God. Don't be content with what you can see now. Because what you see is dimly seeing. There's a lot more to the realm of God. So in order for you to be able to see and hear the way God wants you to, for him to unveil more and give you a deeper insight, you need to be someone who will take in and reproduce. A doer of the word will bring forth fruit. Fruit unto whatever God is giving. That means if he gives you something, he expects you to do it. And that's the fruit of it. So God says this. When you do this, you'll prosper in everything that you do. The fact that God has you here this night is because God is for you. The fact that God has you here this night is because God is for you. And God says, I did all these things to bring you out of bondage. I did all these things to bring you out of bondage. And I've done so much more. I've done miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle in the wilderness. You want to prosper? Take every word God speaks seriously. Take the presence of God seriously. You want the deeper things of God? Take the presence of God seriously and the word of God seriously. Verse 9 is the climax and the highlight of what God is speaking to us tonight. You don't want to be among those whose clothes didn't wear out and their sandals didn't wear out, but their bodies fell. But you want to be among those whose clothes didn't wear out, their sandals didn't wear out, and their bodies went stronger and stronger, like Joshua and Caleb. You want to be among those who will inherit the promised land. And God says, keep the words of this covenant and do them. Keep the words of this covenant and do them. That you may prosper in all you do. When God speaks every single time, take it seriously and put it to good use. 
then God will give you eyes to see, ears to have, and minds to perceive on a deeper level. And you will prosper in all you do. Shall we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us this time, Lord, to spend time in your presence. Father, you are faithful. You're all-powerful. Thank you, Lord. No matter how hard the enemy tried to keep this word from being given to your people, hoping to stop it by afflicting my body, you came through in a marvelous way. And you gave to your people what you wanted to give to them. Thank you, Father. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will take this word deep into the spirits of your people. That they may do whatever you tell them to do, Father. That they may have eyes to see, ears to hear, and minds to perceive all that God has for them. And that they may prosper in all that they do. That they may become like cities that are set on a hill. That they may become like houses that are built on the rock. Father, I pronounce your blessing upon your people at this hour. That they may take the simple word that you've given and put it to good use. Let no one take the word of God that God has given, complicated or twisted. I pray, Holy Spirit, that this word that you've given to your people may dwell in them richly through faith. That their faith may mix with what you've given tonight that the word of God may take them into the riches of the living water. With this blessing, I bless your people with this night that their hearts, O Lord, may be steadfast in your ways. That they may continue to experience the miraculous realm of God. That their clothing and their sandals may stand as a testimony. Not only that, in addition to the physical miracles that you're doing, Lord, may their souls prosper before you. And thereby their bodies prosper before you. May they serve you with your mind and may they serve you with your bodies. And may they serve you with their substance. I thank you for doing this. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Praise. Praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Best by the soul.
Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus.